welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode one. I'm Andrew Gross of Newsday, and I can't tell you how very excited I am with this new endeavor and the opportunity to expand Newsday's coverage of the Islanders and, and get that information into uh, everyone's ears. If you're not, you know, reading, uh, just looking forward to being able to inform you about your favorite team. Uh, not to sound old, although as soon as you say not to sound old, that immediately means I might be old. But when I started as a sports writer, you just wrote your story and you went home. Um, it has not been that way for a while. Now being a sports writer is truly a multimedia job, and Island Dice is just another way to get you the news about the Islanders. And bonus, since I'm around the team on a daily basis, that will mean interviews with the Islanders as well. For instance, a little later on today's inaugural show, we'll have an interview I taped with uh, Barry Trotz looking ahead to the upcoming season. Uh, After that, I'll be scrolling through my Twitter feed at Agros Newsday to answer some of your questions. I know know this is one thing you guys get on me on Twitter, um, that I'm sometimes not answering as many questions as you guys throw at me. If you really saw my Twitter feed and saw how fast things were going by, you'd understand why I can't get to everything, but hopefully... Uh, through this forum, I'll be able to answer more of your questions. This will be a regular feature of Island Ice as we go, go through the season. So looking forward to that. Um, today, we're going to be previewing the 2019-20 season, which opens on Friday night against the Capitals at the Coliseum. Uh, 28 home games at the Coliseum uh, this season, 13 at Barclays. And, of course, they had the groundbreaking at Belmont uh, last week, and the organization is absolutely over the moon about getting to their new building uh, a couple of seasons from now. And as you'll hear again in the the Barry Trotz interview, he he very directly says what that means to this organization and what it has meant to the organization in the past in terms of attracting free agents – when there's not really been a settled home situation. The Islanders under Trotz in his first season, of course, finished second in the Metropolitan Division with a 48-27-7 mark. They swept the Penguins in the first round and then were swept by the Hurricanes in the second round after just the lengthiest delay between rounds because the Islanders knocked off the Penguins so quickly, and I do think that affected them Uh, against the Hurricanes in the second round, but that's ancient history right now, except for the fact that maybe it's not because it is essentially the same team coming back. You subtract goalie Robin Lehner, and that is is a huge subtraction. Let me just stop myself right now. One of the reasons I went into writing and probably not broadcasting is I am prone to mispronouncing things, and you just heard me say Robin Lehner there. His name is Lehner. And the MSG broadcasting crew got all over me last season about the fact that I couldn't pronounce Leonard Laner and finally went up to Robin and said, you know what? The crew's giving me a hard time. I keep calling you Robin Laner. <laughs> and he turns to me. He goes, Laner? I like that. I might go with that. So, ha. But anyway, so uh, you take away goalie Robin Leonard. You take away center Valtteri Filpula. You bring in free agent goalie Semyon Varlamov, and you bring in free agent center Derek Broussard. 
And uh, the other addition, it looks like, will be uh, prize defense prospect uh, Noah Dobson, who appears to have made the team. And uh, we'll see how, you know, he's got nine games at least before the Islanders have to make a decision as to whether they keep him up in the NHL or they return him to his junior team. The, the coaching staff, Lou Lamarillo, the players have all expressed utmost confidence and, and a happiness in keeping the chemistry of last season's t- team together. Um, Anders Lee was telling me it, it's such an underrated thing that you can, you, you can make these free agent uh, additions but it doesn't mean that you're going to be as good a team. Now, I know that sounds like an excuse of a team that didn't really make any big additions. And, yeah, they struck out trying to get Artemi Panarin in. But the way they played the last, I don't know, say 10 games of the regular season, the way they were really rolling in that first round of the playoffs really maybe gives some credence to the fact that this team really does have some strong chemistry there, uh, that 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 top line of Matthew Barzell, Jordan Eberle, Anders Lee was really really good in the playoffs. Uh, so you bring back Eberle, that's five years at twenty seven point five million. You bring back Brock Nelson, six years for thirty six million, and you bring back Anders Lee for seven years at forty nine million. Even though uh, <laughs> it was a little, uh, I guess, hairy for Islander fans on July first when. Uh, uh, you know, the reports were coming out about how hard they were going after Artemi Panarin and Anders Lee is just sitting there. But it, it turns out, you know, talking to Lee and Lamarillo that the parameters of a deal were there. Anders Lee was coming back. I, I told him next time he's a UFA, you know, at the beginning of the season, if he knows he's coming back, just give me a wink. So, you know, we don't have to speculate all season like we wound up doing. But the captain's back in the fold. Um, I, I know that was not the case the previous season. Again, ancient history. I, I'm sure it's good to uh, hear that your captain is back. The defense is essentially the same. You get a full season of Devon Tays, and now Noah Dobson comes in, and, and that is at the expense of Thomas Hickey, uh, you know, a valuable veteran who has been a real workhorse for the franchise. Um, but he was put on waivers. And, you know, that's just life in the NHL. Uh, Hickey really didn't do anything to lose a spot, but they had to make a choice on Noah Dobson, whether to send him back to juniors or bring him up. And I'll tell you what, Noah Dobson had a very, very strong training camp. Um, He told me he's very confident in his ability to play at this league, but he's not saying it in a cocky way. Barry Trotz loves his hockey IQ. And I, I talked to Noah about that, and he said, yeah, like any young guy, there are going to be mistakes. But he's very confident that any mistakes he makes, any learning curve he has, he's going to be able to figure things out on the ice. Uh, I really enjoy watching him in the, in the defensive zone with the puck on his stick because there, there, there's no panic. Even when he's playing right around the crease, it, he's not fumbling with the puck. He's, he's got his eyes on a, you know, looking up making outlet passes or being able to skate out of trouble. Um, at 19 years old, yeah, you know, he's going to get pushed around a little bit, even though he's 6'4". Um, I'm sure someone is going to quote-unquote welcome him to the NHL. Um, you know, he's he's going to get shaken up a little bit. 
but he, he does have a big body. He's going to grow into a man probably in the next couple of years here. But, you know, 12th overall pick, and for him to make the team second year, I, I, think, I think that's a really good sign. Um, when, when you look at the Islanders, I, I think there are two big question marks that just, you know, come right out. And one, you know, is the goaltending going to be as good as it was last season? You got a career year out of Robin Leonard, got it right, um, who goes to the Blackhawks one for one year for $5 million. You got a, a really good season, almost identical numbers out of Thomas Grice, who turned it around after, you know, a, a really rough season the, the, the season before. And, and they combined to win the Jennings Trophy as the Islanders give up uh, 191 goals, the fewest goals in the NHL. Uh, Robin Leonard is – you know, the uh, the Masterton Trophy winner for dedication and perseverance. Uh, we all know his story by now, addiction, mental health issues, how he fought through all of that, turned his life around. And, and we wish Robin all the best in Chicago. Um, he was a Vesna Trophy finalist. Um, Grice is on a contract year, so you figure, you know, he's, he's pretty motivated here to uh, earn his next deal. And Varlamov... You know, he's as much as you're paying four years, twenty million for him for what he's going to give you on the ice, and and he is going to, you know, there, Barry Trotz really does not have a number one goalie. He goes with the hot hand. I, I know the numbers were split really easily, uh, evenly between Robin Leonard and Thomas Grice last season. It could be a little differently this season. It could be fifty one way, thirty. Um, their play will determine that, as, as will their health. Uh, Semyon Varlamov has dealt with some injuries. I think uh, the last three seasons out in Colorado wound up losing his number one job there to Philip Grubauer. But Varlamov's four-year deal, it, it also seems to be a way to entice uh, the organization's top goalie prospect, Ilya Sorokin, to leave the KHL after his deal is done this season and join the uh, Islanders organization next season. Goalie seems to be the one organizational position where it could be a little bit of an Achilles heel in case of injuries. They really don't have great depth. Christopher Gibson and Jared Carreau are are very experienced AHL netminders who have never been able to break through that ceiling to become regular NHL goalies. Uh, Injury... Long-term injury to either Varlamov or Grice could could really sink what I think could be a really good season for this team. I, I really do see them competing in the Metropolitan Division for uh, for first place. Um, but another question mark here, and you know, it's been one that's been brought up on Twitter a lot, is scoring. The Islanders were 21st in the league last season with 228 goals. Their power play ranked 29th. Um, they definitely have to improve that. Scott Gomez is out on the power play in terms of running it. Jim Hiller, who ran the power play up in Toronto for Mike Babcock last season, is in. Uh, what I've seen in the preseason has been much more puck movement and much more of a, a focus on getting pucks to the net. Now, it, it didn't always work, but you know, you, you're you're running players in and out of the power play lineup. They were. 
They were two for six in the uh, 4-2 win at Bridgeport over the Rangers the other day. Um, probably the best the power play has looked. Get a couple of rebound goals from Michael Dalcal and Josh Bailey. We'll, we'll see if Derek Broussard uh, adds to the power play. It, it certainly looks like Michael Dalcal is going to start the season on the power play. Maybe Broussard is more of a penalty killer to start because they need someone to uh, – to fill in for Val Fulpula on the penalty kill. But again, scoring, uh, it's a real question as to how much they're going to be able to score. You're, you're kind of counting on Jordan Eberle to continue where he left off, you know, four goals, four games against the, uh, the Penguins. But again, you go back to the Islanders did go hard after Artemi Panarin. They offered more than he took from the Rangers. And I think that's a clear sign that management, Lou Lamarillo, saw the need to bolster their top six scoring. Uh, now, like I said, you're, you're counting on Jordan Eberle to get more than 19 goals, way more than 19 goals. He, he needs to be the right wing you saw in, in the last 10 games of the regular season over the first four games of the playoffs. Anthony Beauvillier, going into his fourth NHL season at just age 22, needs to take a step up in terms of production. He went through long stretches last season where he was at times invisible on offense, but Barry Trotz trusted him, stuck with him. Um, is Derek Broussard going to have a bounce-back year after bouncing all over the NHL last season? Started out with the Penguins, played a little bit in Florida, um, wound up in Colorado. He's not going to be the Derek Broussard at 31 that he was with the Rangers when he was either a 1 or a 1A center there. Um, but, you know, he did show some good chemistry, uh, specifically working with Matthew Barzell on the power play earlier in the preseason. think he's going to get a chance to uh, play with Beauvillier on a line, probably with Leo Komarov. And I think Barry Trotz is looking for those two guys to really spark each other. And... You know, we talked about Anders Lee. Is he going to get closer to 40 goals against this season than he did last season with 28? And, you know, you can talk about the whole team took a step back in goal production, but it was a, a step forward because they played defense after giving up 293 goals the previous season under Dougie Waite. Uh, Barry Trotz got this team to play defense. He got him to limit the odd man rushes. He got him to limit the cross ice feeds. He got him to limit the rebound opportunities. I don't see that changing this year, but the, the trick this season is going to be playing within that system and then bolstering your scoring because the Islanders are not taking anyone by surprise this season. They didn't really take anyone by surprise from January on last season. But teams are going to be even more focused on them this season. And, you know, talking about scoring, Casey Sezikis, he had a career-high 20 goals last season. That was more than double what he had ever had before. Is he, is he going to play back to that, or is he going to be more in the, the 10 to 15 range? Uh, you know, ask Lou Lamarillo about his confidence in the Islanders being able to score, and Lou – Lou very clearly said all he cares about is goal differential because goal differential determines winning. Now, the Islanders were sixth in the NHL last season at plus 32, but, but take a listen to uh, Lou's uh, answer to my question here. You know, I, I don't, I'm one who doesn't worry about scoring. All, all I worry about is goal differential. So if we score two goals every night and we give up one, 
I, I'm not worried about scoring. Uh, uh, you know, I see Butch smiling a little back there. He knows what I mean. It's all about winning. You know, it's not about scoring goals. Here, here's one thing I think, and you'll you'll hear Barry Trotz talk about this shortly. I believe Matthew Barzell is going to have a breakout season, which is sort of a crazy thing to say after he has 85 points as a rookie. He had 62 last season, but both he and Trotz thought he was a better player last season. And, you know, I, I sort of agree there. It's maybe a little bit on the surface just to look at a, you know, a 23-point drop in production. But if you watched Matthew last year, particularly towards the end of the season, he started to figure it out figure out what Barry Trotz was asking him to do. He was no longer just playing on instinct, which is what happens with a lot of players who who are stars and juniors. You know, they, they play on instinct because they're so good and they've never really been, you know, hemmed in at the junior level. You know, all of a sudden, Matthew Barzell last season, John Tavares goes to Toronto. Matthew Barzell is looked upon as the team's number one center, although him and Brock Nelson kind of flip-flopped on that a little bit. But in reality, Matthew Barzell is the team's number one center. Other teams know that. Uh, It was not a good year on the power play, which is another reason his production dropped. But to me, again, he wasn't playing on instinct towards the end of the season. He was not freelancing all the time. He was doing what Barry Trotz asked him to do within a system. What I see this season is him continuing that and building upon that and figuring out how to score more within that system. And I think, obviously, Anders Lee bolstering you know, his 28 goals and Jordan Eberle being more of a consistent player this season, that's all going to work into it. Matthew Barzell being able to score more on the power play, that's all going to play into it. But I, I, I certainly see Matthew Barzell having a really, really good season, and I think that's going to be a, a really good timing for him. He'll be a restricted free agent next summer. I, I think some cha-ching is coming his way. Um, my prediction for the Islanders, well, if you saw the hockey preview in Sunday's Newsday, you'll see I have them at 47, 27, and 8 in second place in the Metro 102 points. That's just one point less than last season. And, you know, Barry Trotz has said this a lot during training camp. He thinks they could be a better team this season and get fewer points. Uh, The Metro, I think, is going to be a uh, tougher division. Both the Rangers and Devils certainly improved themselves over the the offseason. I think the Flyers are going to be a much better team. Uh, the Capitals probably take a step back. The Blue Jackets take a step back. I would think the Penguins probably take a step back. I don't know what to expect from the Hurricanes. They seem to be all over the map. They might be better. They might take a step back. But I, I think the Islanders are going to be fairly consistent here. I think I, I do see them competing for the Metro Division title throughout the course of the season. Um, ultimately, I think they settle into second place. And as you've seen time in and time out in the NHL playoffs, all you need to do is go in. And I think the Islanders go in for a second straight season. Uh, now, uh, I, I sat down with Barry Trotz to go over a lot of this stuff. Um, he was nice enough to give me a lot of his time. So I, I hope you enjoy this interview with him, sat down with him as training camp wound down. 
and I'm very pleased to be joined uh, by Coach Barry Trotz. Barry, thank you so much for uh, being the inaugural guest on uh, this little enterprise of mine, and and also thank you for all your patience and uh, and and working so well with the media, you know, over your whole career. Um, just let me start. This is a season preview episode. Just what what different things may, might we be able to expect from this team this season or, or, or see from this team this season? Well, I think you're going to see a continuation of where we started last year. We built a real good uh, defensive foundation. And I thought that was where we had to you know, clean it up from the year before. Uh, not, it wasn't a real good uh, situation, obviously, finishing last in the league in the last in the last 10 years in terms of goals against. So we, I knew we could fix that up. We fixed it to a point where it was... Uh, you know, almost it was historical, really. And uh, you know, I, it, can we re- reach those that height again? I don't know if we can or not. Um, but there's going to be other things in our game that may may uh, help. But our foundation, from a defensive standpoint, is going to be it may, may, it will be there. Our five on pl- five play should be strong uh, because of the, our work ethic and the way we play in our four line uh, game and. Uh, you know, areas that I think you'll see, uh, hopefully, we have to improve the power play. Power play was uh, a little bit of Achilles' heel last year for us. We need that to be much better. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a weapon for you. Uh, penalty kill, I think uh, we were probably better than maybe our numbers were. Because uh, once you have a, a few bad games early, it's really hard to, to, to get those numbers to where you need them. But I think uh, with our group, uh, we, we're capable of, of having those numbers be a little bit better. Um, our face-off percentages, uh, winning a little more, that's going to, I think we're going to be better there. Uh, maybe not initially, but as the season goes on, I know we will. Uh, there's been a, we're putting a lot more emphasis on that. So, And then I think just we learned to play fast in the second half of the season. Um, to a, in a, when, I, when you uh, talk about playing fast, it's not necessarily having fast skaters. It's being able to move the puck out of the zone quickly. Uh, stretching out the zone, getting it from, you know, our goal line to the, say, the top of the circles or their goal line in, in three or four seconds. So we stretched the zone a little bit more as we got a little more comfortable with the way we played. Um, so you're going to see those things, and, and they may not notice them because they were a progression of where we ended up last year. So hopefully we can pick up where we ended up uh, at the end of the last year and just build our game. And I think we're building a really good culture. I, I'll tell you, it's a, uh, it's a pleasure coaching this, this team um, because of the fact that it's the way it's run from up top with, with Lou. And, uh, but as a coach, you know, you go into practice every day, and the players, this, this team has learned to practice well. They really have. They, they come and they work and they do it with pace and they do it with a smile on their face. And they and they they embrace the details. They don't blow that part off. They become really good pros. And as coaches, I mean, they they it's a it's a pleasure to coach this group because of the fact that they have that kind of that's instilled within uh, within the group, uh, and they maintain it internally, and they hold each other accountable. Yeah, they do it in a, a joking way or or uh, a little bit of a sarcastic way. Um, but they come and they work, and they take a lot of pride in what they do. So, um, from my standpoint, that's that's what you want. And and then to talk about a tight group and a family atmosphere, um, it sort of reminds me of uh, you know, 
I think that's why there's a love affair between the Islanders and the Long Island itself because they are a hard working group that's honest and, and gives you everything they have and uh, they do it with a smile on their face. You know, you touched upon it, but, and so have a few players uh, through the course of training camp. But, you know, the, the, the feeling is there, there is a great value in what Lou did in not mixing up the group after last season. You know, they're, you know going into the trade deadline, essentially Stan Patton, in the offseason concentrating on your own unrestricted free agents and, and RFAs instead of, you know, stirring up the pot. As a coach, what value is there to, to that chemistry and maintaining that and building upon it in year two? Well, it's, it's, it, it's, it's huge. As a, from a coaching standpoint, you know the players. And, I mean, we were really happy with our free agents. It just happened that they became free agents. And uh, the two things that stood out uh, for me is that, uh, the players all wanted to come back, uh, and we wanted them all back. And between those two elements, then they just got to make it work. And uh, I can tell you that the, the, the free agents coming back, they're, they're, they didn't come back because you know, of, of just a, you know, the, a, a good payday or anything. They came back because of the, the culture and the lifestyle and they're looking forward to winning for a long time. And that's what we're trying to build here. So. Uh, it was a big statement that your own free agents weren't looking to say, hey, you know what, the grass is greener. And, and we still have, you know, some things. There's a lot of great things. And the one, the, the, probably the biggest issue just got resolved was we have Belmont coming. And, uh, you know, you talk free agency and all that. The, the one thing that the, every free agent would say is, you know, where are you going to play? Where are you going to play? And I don't want to do the two rinks. And, you know, it, it's just you have that, that choice. And... That's taken away. So, you know, everybody's looking at, uh, you know, so many players love love it on the island. It's 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 fantastic. I'm starting to learn a lot more of the of the surrounding area and the, and the, the little towns and and uh, it, it's so beautiful in the summer here. And that's why players are staying uh, post career. That's why players are staying year round. Uh, you know that type of thing. And then we've created a really it creates a family atmosphere. And you have. You know, if you're a player with a family, it's got a family atmosphere. It's great for your kids and your wife and all that. Um, you're close to the city, so you have all those, uh, you know, things that you want to do, uh, you know. And and just being the travel in this area is fantastic. And now we're getting Belmont, and I've seen renderings of it and all that. It's going to be spectacular. And, and so it's going to be, a, you know, a, almost a, the ideal franchise. Uh, from a standpoint for a player looking for, can we win there? Yes. Is there a good atmosphere, family atmosphere? Yes. Is there a lot of pride in the organization? There is. Or where do we play? We're at Belmont. It's one of the best facilities. Our practice facility is 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 one of the best in the league, uh, and you're treated, uh, you know, with a, a lot of respect and and just the family atmosphere that we do try to create, and the work environment. Uh, I don't think there's going to be too many teams that can pass that. Um, one of the new guys the, the organization did bring in is, you know, in one of the of obviously key positions there, bringing in Semyon Varlamov, uh, four years, you know, four-year deal for him. That, that's a serious commitment. Um, just what, what have you seen out of Semyon, and what was it about him? You know, obviously he has a, a big body of work with Colorado and yep. Washington before that. 
Um, Robin Leonard was a fan favorite. He yeah. had a Vesna Trophy worthy season yeah. here. How how easy a transition is this going to be from one to the other? And how you know I talked to Semyon about this. The idea of not putting, you know, the extra pressure on yourself, feeling like you have to duplicate or replace Robin Leonard here. Yeah, well, I think he's been a he's a he's a real good pro, and and if if it's hard, you know, where Robin ended up was in a great spot, and that was a, a lot of hard work by Robin and everybody involved. Um, at the same time, you got to think back where Robin was coming in. He was, you know, sort of. Uh, a little bit of a, uh, a project, if you will, to say the least, because, you know, he, he, of the uh, of his story and where he was as a goaltender and all those things. And he worked really hard. And, you know, Robbins, uh, you know, had a fantastic uh, year last year for us. There's no question. And that's hard to replace that. Uh, things didn't get worked out the, the way that both sides wanted it to work out. And so, we had, uh, you know, we went a little in a different direction. And the things that I can say from a standpoint of, of Arley that, that interests you is that he's, he's very athletic. Um, he really works at his game. Uh, he's very competitive. And, you know, he's in, in Colorado. I, I think he, you know, they played a different style, a little wide open at times for, for that and a little bit unpredictable. And therefore, you know, it, it, he's going to get used to playing for us. And I think he's going to be yeah, the more you know, he, he said the other day he didn't get as many shots, and it's it's a different thing for a goaltender. So when you come from a team where you're a little more busy, and then all of a sudden you're not getting any shots, it's you have to relearn that a little bit. So uh, I'm really patient, but I know that he works at his game really hard. Uh, he's very competitive, and he's a he's a, a tremendous teammate. All those all those things being said. Um, once he once he fully trans, transitions to you know our style and and all that, I, I don't think uh, there'll be any any drop off. I think he's very capable, just as uh, as Greiser is. I mean, last year, uh, you know, Robin had the great story, and the and the forgotten piece was it was Thomas Grice. They had the same number of starts and wins and, and save percentage. It was virtually um, they mirrored each other, uh, but Robin had a tremendous story. And, and played really well uh, for us. So um, I feel strongly that our goaltending will be um, will, will be at the point where it was last year. Just two two players, and I mean uh, Matthew Barzell and Devontae's yep. um, dynamic young players. Yes. You know, Matt entering his third season. You know. His production was not as great as his rookie of the year, but you know he said that it was a better season for him because he learned to play in the system. Looking ahead to this year, how does do you, do you feel like he can get back to where he was production-wise because he's melding yeah, with the experience? Absolutely. absolutely. Last year with with uh, with Matthew, um, you know he the first year he got eighty-five points and he got eighty-five points by cheating all over the place, but you don't win. Mm -hmm. And uh, he didn't have John Tavares playing in front of him. Last year, he was the focus of, of uh, you know, the shutdown people. Um, he had to learn to play within a new system. He had to, what I think what he's, he, he's learned to play, he's turning into a pro. He was a young, talented player who last year was transitioning to becoming a really good pro. And now I think he is a good pro. And now, you know, there's elements of his game that will go back to, 
his individual game where we'll go back to trying to improve some of the individual stuff because he he got to a point where his individual stuff carried him and he cheated and and but you didn't win and you're, you're, there's no way you were going to win and he learned the value of playing the game like a pro and 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 his production went down a little bit but also you know if our power play was a little bit better last year and he was a big part of it if our power play was better his numbers might have been a lot, a lot closer than uh, to his rookie year. So, uh, you know, we expect the power play to get uh, do better, and, and hopefully he gets more points there. And then if he has a year like he did last year, and you add another 10 or 12 points, he's back to that rookie rookie number that he had. Uh, but he's a way better player than that rookie year. I remember even even coaching against him. We just said, you know, yeah, you know, he's look he looks like he's getting a lot done, and he is dangerous. You know, if you're patient and you and you get him cornered, you're going to score. And we we actually took advantage of him. And when I was in Washington, uh, because he didn't know when to give up the puck, and he put him, himself and his teammates in a in a tough spots. Um, and so against good teams, he got he got chewed up a little bit. Now he doesn't. He's a good pro. And and now he, uh, I see a different Matthew even this year. Is uh, is he was the. Um, he was in that transition of young young player trying to learn to be a pro. Now he's an accepting pro who understands and gets it, and that's why I think he's now he's gonna, you know, he's not gonna he's start gonna start rising again to another level. That I mean, in the preseason you see he's he, he understands puck management a little bit better. There's times when you know, I'll, I'll roll my eyes sometimes, but he's such a talent that. You know, you get a little bit of uh, leeway here and there, but uh, his mindset uh, to be a, the best that he can be uh, is is so much better in accepting um, and understanding the, you know the game way better than he did, you know, you know, 12 months ago. And Taze, the organization was so patient with him. You've talked about you know lose wisdom. Yep. You know, he had probably the best training camp of any defenseman last year. And you still sent him to Bridgeport, and when he came up in, uh, I think it was December, midseason, he, he looked like a, a finished product. But he, he's still a young guy going into his first full NHL season. Yeah, he, he is. And there's still a, a few areas that uh, that Devin uh, can just get better at. But some of the instinctual stuff that he has and the way he sees the game, especially from an offensive standpoint, when he's joining the play, he 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 recognizes those windows so quickly that he gets up in the play uh, before you know it. And, uh, and he sees lanes, and he, and he does some of those really uh, high-level instinctual stuff that uh, I can't teach, anybody can teach. He's, he's got that. And uh, now he's got his confidence. He knows he's, he belongs in the league, and he knows he can be an impactful player in the league. So all that's, that part of his game is growing. All right, Barry, I really appreciate the time. Best of luck this season, and uh, hopefully you don't get too tired of my uh, face or voice over the no, uh, season not. two. <laughs> definitely not, anytime. And that was Barry Trotz again, uh, talking towards the end of training camp. Uh, really want to thank Barry again for taking the time to do that. Uh, he's unbelievable, unbelievably cooperative, makes my job so much easier, uh, and a nice guy to boot, and... Uh, future Hall of Fame coach, so it's always good to uh, get a little one-on-one -on -one time with him. And now, 
Now, as promised, um, we're going to scroll through the Twitter feed and see what kind of questions there are. As I mentioned earlier, get tons of them on a daily basis. I apologize. I cannot apologize enough for not being able to get back to you in the swiftest manner or at all at times. And uh, I hope you understand that. But this uh, Islander, uh, the, the, this podcast will uh, provide a forum for that. So uh, with that said, let us have at it as I just go through this here. Um, BK asks, has there been any talk or info about playoff games being fully at Nassau this year? Well, um, as you saw last season, they split the two rounds. They've played the first, uh, the first series against the Penguins, and they, they swept the two games at the Coliseum, and then they played the second round, and all subs- subsequent rounds were going to be at the Barclays Center. They lost two games to the Hurricanes season over. Unfortunately, BK, because I think uh, most Islander fans would want the whole shebang to be at the Coliseum. There's, I have not heard any talk about playoff games yet. Uh, one way or the other at Nassau Coliseum. My my suspicion, my strong suspicion, is they cannot abandon Barclays Center just because they can make so much more money in the playoffs at Barclays Center. There's 10 times the amount of suites there. And I know, you know, that probably doesn't mean much to, you know, you, me, average Islander fan, but that is a strong source of revenue there. So uh, my guess would be, you know, until they fully get out of Barclays Center, and that's not going to be this season, it seems. Uh, maybe it's next season. You know, it's a discussion for next season. And until they, they fully get out of Barclays, I would suspect there will, there will be playoff rounds at Barclays if they can get past the first round. Uh, Mike T. asks, was waving Hosang and Hickey the right move? Could have gone in some other direction, so I would be curious to hear your take on that. You know, and again, it goes back to our discussion about scoring earlier. Josh Hosang, even though he's paid much more attention to the defensive side of things, he's obviously known for his playmaking, for his skating. The Islanders, you know, obviously figured that you know, determined that Michael Dalcal was going to play more regularly. And it looks like, again, Michael Dalcal is going to get a first crack at the power play. And then you, you've heard Barry Trotz talk over and over and over about how much he loves Tom Kuhnhockel and Tom Kuhnhockel's versatility. You know, is he as dynamic a player as Josh Hosang? No, of course not. Jo- Josh Hosang brings some skills that not many people have. Um, but Barry Trotz right now, and it's very clear, he just trusts Tom Kuhnhockel more than Josh Hosang. He trusts Michael Dalcal more than Josh Hosang. And, you know, Ross Johnson was another one. Um, and, you know, I know Ross did not play a lot last season, you know, because Matt Martin has that job on, the, uh, on Casey Sezekis' line locked up. But Barry Trotz is also very effusive in his praise of uh, Ross Johnson and, and says, yeah, I know what kind of player Ross Johnson looks like, but he really thinks Ross has worked on his skating and his hands, and he thinks, 
you know, he can play Ross Johnson in situations other than seven minutes on a fourth line. Now, is Ross Johnson a player like Josh saying No, but, you know, again, this is not me making up the team. It's Barry Trotz comprising the whole team. And when he makes up the 23-man roster, he, he – He's looking at more than just one factor, and he's thinking maybe Tom Kuhnhackel can play on the penalty kill, which I don't think Josh Hosang was going to do. Was it the right move to waive Josh Hosang? He's, I mean, it was the only move if he's not making the team. As far as Thomas Hickey, you know, Lou Lamorello has said in the next CBA he believes this, um, this, this notion or this rule that a 19-year-old who has junior eligibility and, you know, is just a Canadian junior player is not AHL eligible until 20, he thinks that is going to go away. But for right now, the Islanders' only options with Noah Dobson was to keep him on the roster or send him back to juniors. And the organization came to the decision that there was no benefit to be gained by him going back to juniors. And in fact, both Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz believe that Noah Dobson's development could have been hurt by going back to the juniors, either because his team was going to play him too many minutes or Noah Dobson was going to learn bad habits because, as both Trotz and Lou have said, he's not a junior player anymore. He is he is above that level, and he was just going to rely on his skills, sort of like I talked about earlier with Matthew Barzell. Um, and they did not want to hinder Noah's development in any way. Unfortunately, Hickey, and I have a lot of respect for Thomas Hickey, he came here in 2013. He was a first-round pick who never panned out for the Kings. He resurrected his career with the Islanders. He was a workhorse for several seasons, very reliable defenseman. Um, but he didn't play when he came back from the concussion last season uh, with the emergence of Devontae's, and he wasn't going to play this season, and, you know, he's got $2.5 million against the cap, so unfortunately this is the business of the NHL in, uh, in, in the salary cap world. So was waving Thomas Hickey the right move? For the Islanders, it, it was. Um Domenico JJ asks, what's the name of the podcast? And that's Island Island Ice. And I'm just learning that as we go along. I'm going to say it five times just to make sure it's in, ingrained in my head. Island Ice, Island Ice, Island Ice, Island Ice. It's called Island Ice. Let's see. Rich Ziles, and uh, good, good hearing from you, Rich. Uh, question, are you loving the Isles' depth as much as I am? D, forget about it. Wing, yep. Center, Koivula. Death is uh, depth, not death. Depth is as important as injuries happen. Yeah, Rich, I, I do like the depth. As, as I talked about, I think the defense depth, well, you see it with Thomas Hickey, you know, being forced into being waived. You see that there. I think Otto Koivula, I, I really like some stretches he had. In the preseason, I think he's going to be an NHL player. Oliver Wallstrom really acquitted himself well. I think they he's almost getting the Devontae's treatment from last season. I think they're just getting Oliver Wallstrom down to Bridgeport to get him a little bit more seasoning. I, I certainly think Oliver is going to contribute 
before this season is over. We just talked about Josh Ho saying the fact that he couldn't make this roster, and that's, you know, it's uh, it's uh, seems to be a daily story in of itself. But yeah, I, I do like the depth. Uh, Mason Yopst, Yopst, um, sorry, Robin Lehner, right? Uh, Mason was a guy who really impressed me, a former Ohio State Buckeye captain, a little older, 25, starting his professional career. He's, he, he doesn't have the size, but, boy, he really has good on-ice presence um, at center. I see him contributing at some point, too. So, yeah, I, I, I am impressed with the way the team has built this, uh, this depth. Let's see. Um, JP asks... Well, let's see. Are the Isles are the Islanders better than they were October first, eighteenth? Consider three or four key UFAs returned. Two should be very little learning curve with the group. Three options at every position have improved. Four more games at the Coliseum and Belmont is progressing. Five Noah Dobson, and it's hard to argue with any of those. JP, yeah. Um, I, I do think they were a better team than they are at the start of the last season. Uh, like I said, Barry Trotz has said they could be a better team this year and still not get as many points. But as we just talked about the depth, the depth is good. The goalies have to stay healthy. And I think that will be one of the, one of the things that really determines where the Islanders finish up. Um, scrolling down... Um, which arena in the uh, this is cord up who i hear from a lot on uh, on twitter which arena in the nhl has the best wi-fi <laughs> um <laughs> you know it's funny because it seems all we sports writers do is complain on twitter about arena wi-fi <laughs> so i'm sure that's where that question comes from i i know islander fans are not going to want to hear this but Boy, working at Madison Square Garden is very, very convenient. They they got the broadband. They got a good Wi-Fi system. I, I never seem to have issues at Madison Square Garden. So uh, uh, sorry about that, Islander fans. Island Ice, I know it's an Islanders podcast. Um, ben 100% says, best of luck on the pod. What's the deal with Bellows? Not a good skater? Or is this another Dal Call situation? And we just need to be patient. Well, I, I think it's I think a little patience is needed. Uh, Bellows, you know, has not developed um, to the point where he's an NHL player as of yet. He certainly has the background. Uh, he has a good attitude, um, but he really was not in the mix in this training camp to be one of those bubble players. So we just have to see how he develops at Bridgeport, but. Yeah, he's he's been passed in the organization. It, it, it seems like uh, Bassid Shark asks, "Where do the Isles finish this season?" I have them fourth behind the Caps, Canes, and Devils. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, I think they finish second again. So uh, um, let's see. Cordup also asks, "If waivers did not exist, who do you think should be in the minors, and who normally in the minors would be in the NHL?" Um, without waivers, you know, it's an interesting question because, uh, Michael Dalcal 
obviously needed waivers. Thomas Hickey needed waivers. Noah Dobson didn't need waivers, could only be sent to juniors, though. Um, off the top of my head, I, I, I'm not really sure how much uh, the waivers situation really affected what the Islanders ultimately did. So um, there we go. Um, now, I'm Don Becker kind of goes off the board, says, congrats on the new podcast. If you could pick one King's X song to, to describe this Isles team, what would it be? I, I go way back old school King's X. I'm going to say mission because uh, the, these guys are, are very focused on building on the foundation from last season. Um, other choice I might have is go to hell because – <laughs> I think every time I ask or anyone asks the Islander players about outside predictions about what the team is going to do this season, I feel like that's what the players want to do. Um, Matt asked Josh Hosang on Nelson Wing. They have produced well in the past. Is this not the pop-up front that Trotz is looking for? Evidently not. And that was the answer on Twitter that Beer League Beast gave. So, Sorry, Beer League Beast, I I just absolutely ripped off your answer. So, uh, let's see. Timmer, hey, buddy, um, asks, question, will moving trading existing contracts play a part in trying to lock up the next round of young players? Uh, For instance, Barzell, Taze, uh, et cetera. Pulak is in there, too. I mean, Barzell, as I said before, cha-ching. (laughs) <laughs> I think he's going to have a really nice next contract, um, whether it's a bridge deal or the Islanders lock him up and take a buyback some of his UFA years. We'll see, but I think Barzell is going to make a nice chunk of change next year. Taze, if he has a really good full season, is also going to get paid. Ryan Pulak is the Islanders' number one defenseman. You know what those guys get get paid. So, yeah. I, I think the, uh, Lou is going to have to move some existing contracts. I know everyone is going to say, Andrew Ladd, can we get that contract out of here? Uh, I don't think that's going to be easily done. Lou has moved some contracts that I thought were immovable in the past. I was thinking of uh, Dion Phaneuf and uh, David Clarkson with the uh, Maple Leafs, but I, I think Andrew Ladd is a stretch there. So, uh you know, as has been speculated a lot, I, I think Nick Letty ultimately, as much as the organization loves him, uh, might be a uh, might be at risk for having his contract moved. Um, Johnny Boychuk, I, I got I'm not on uh, cap friendly. I'm not looking at his contract status in terms of uh, no trade or anything like that. Um, whether they could move Johnny or not, I'm not sure. Um, He's also getting to be, and I, I love you, Johnny. Sorry to say this. He's getting to, you know, be an older NHL player, and those those guys are not always easy to move either. And you know what? Uh, I don't necessarily, I I don't necessarily want to move either Nick Letty or Johnny Boychuk. To be fair, I think they're very, very, very good pieces for this team, uh, both on and off the ice. But I, I agree, Timmer, that. Uh, you're going to pay Barzell, Taze, and Pulak. Uh, you're going to have to clean out something. Um, and this is the follow-up. Uh, McGrath FC says, hey, Andrew, what do you think the odds that Letty is still on the team 
December 1st. Uh, you're talking December 1st. I think the odds are pretty good that Letty is still on this team. The caveat being, and this goes back to our discussion on scoring, if the Islanders cannot score, <laughs> they just cannot score, and Lou has to move someone for top six help, I think Letty is the obvious uh, the obvious candidate there. Uh, George Dabrowski says, will we see a trade before the start of the season? I think it's a little clogged up with teams and the salary cap right now. I, I don't suspect there will be a trade before they drop the puck against the Capitals. Um, but that's not ruling out a trade by the end of November, I would say. Um, Henry Reichman asks, more likely to get into the team, Wallstrom or Hosang? Um, you know what? Uh, <laughs> as I'm recording this, I, I can't tell you whether Josh Hosang is clearing waivers or not. So, uh, you know, I do see Oliver Wallstrom uh, playing some NHL games this season, so I will leave it at that. Um, Greg, sort of, I've sort of asked, answered Greg's question of a uh, bit of a logjam, too many D-men, what's likely to happen over the next few weeks, months? We've touched upon that. Letty Boychuk, Noah Dobson has nine games before his contract locks into place. After the nine, they, they, they could send him back to juniors. So um, those are the things to, to look. Um, Russ asks, if you're the Islanders GM who makes the team, who gets traded, who gets waived, um, don't know if I have much new to add than what else have I gone over. Uh, John says, I think your first episode is going to be about Hosang going on waivers. We've touched on that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, just scrolling down. Um, Matt asked, is uh, goalie Jacob Skarek ready for the pros if he's needed this year? Maybe next. I, I think uh, I like Jacob a lot. Had a lot of good chats with him. Summer development camp, training camp. He's a real young kid, uh, 19, I still believe he is, getting used to North America. Uh, there, there are other options, more experience in the organization if, uh, you know, worst-case scenario. I, I don't think Skarek is, is going to be an answer this year or next season. Um, and that is nothing against him. Um, Linus Soderstrom in the same boat. You know, goalies just need a little bit more time. Um, Smart Wilson, nice, uh, asked the reason Leonard got it right, is no longer an Islander and why we gave a bigger deal to an older, inferior goalie. Well, it's a little, uh, it's a little harsh towards Semyon Varlamov, uh, Smart Wilson. Um, well, Robin Leonard is no longer an Islander. I mean, we, we know what happened there. He wound up being offered, I believe, two years at $10 million. He asked Lou for some time to think about that. And uh, well, by the time he got back to Lou, the deal was no longer there. Um, a couple of factors here. I, I do think the Islanders, to a certain extent, felt like they caught lightning in a bottle with Robin Leonard. Um, you know, Vesna Trophy finalist year. Robin obviously believes differently. He believes that, you know, this was a base for him, that he's going to get better from here. The Islanders might have felt like they got the best out of Robin Leonard. And, you know, and Robin's touched upon this. And, again, we've talked about 
his issues in life, it's always going to be a question mark when it comes to a longer-term deal for him. And it certainly showed that with the Islanders. They were not ready to commit four years to Robin Leonard. Got it right. Um, why give a bigger deal to Semyon Varlamov? Actually, you know, instead of one year five that Robin got in Chicago, you get four, four years, 20 million. Again, I touched upon this. I really think the Ilya Sorokin angle is a big part of this. They, they share an agent, uh, both Russian. I really think in the Islanders, uh, you know, best case scenario next season, their goalie tandem is Semyon Varlamov and Ilya Sorokin, and Sorokin is a mentor to the younger country mate. Um, let's see. Uh, Adam Sicardi asks, has there been any talk about sale, non-sale of the naming rights for Belmont? I'm sure there has been behind closed doors. I have not heard any of that, so I, I have no information there. Uh, for you. Uh, Tim, this is City Tim 30 ask who's going to have a breakout season? Who's going to have a worse season? Um, the breakout season, I, uh, I, I certainly, you know, touched upon Matthew Barzell. Um, who's going to have a worse season? Uh, just mentally scrolling through, um, you know, yeah. yeah. I think Thomas Grice, to get back to the numbers he had last year, I, I don't think that's a guarantee. Um, and not to say he's going to be a bad goal a year. I'm just saying his numbers might be a little bit uh, down from last season. I, I don't know that Casey Sezikis gets back to 20 goals. Um, but again, I, I don't know if that qualifies as being a worse season. Um, you know, uh, though those... Those are the two that come to mind is maybe, you know, having, you know, it being a challenge to get back to last season's number. Um, Walter Barker says, thoughts on Tool's new album? I am sorry, Walter. I've, I've actually not heard that yet. I cannot give you thoughts on that other than I'm sure it's good <laughs> because Tool equals good. So, um Beast LM asks, would no team have wanted Hickey or Hosang in a trade? You know what? Uh, it's a logjam. Every team is looking to get under the cap right now. And I, I just, you know, if Lou could have traded Hosang, I think he would have done it at the deadline last season. Um, I, I, I just don't see a trade market for Josh Hosang at this point. Um, let's see. Um, Matt Ryan asks, will new, new ownership more f fully welcome Pat LaFontaine back into the fold? The fact is he was named one of the NHL's all-time top 100 players. He isn't in the team's Hall of Fame, and that's insane. Um, yeah, you know, sometimes you know, bridges need to be mended a little bit, I guess, and uh, I think that's uh, on Patty's, uh, you know, end as much as the Islanders. And, you know, I'm kind of spitballing here without talking about any – without talking of any full knowledge of what's gone on here. Um, you know what? I, I know both Scott Malkin and John Ledecky have done a great job reaching out to the alumni. I'm sure 
at some point, uh, Pat LaFontaine will be included in that, uh, or at least I think uh, that would be the ownership hope. hope. Um, Joe Pincus, Pincus says the management acknowledged need for scoring. They continue to give offensively incompetent players a longer leash, Komarov, Kuhnhockel. I, I don't think that's necessarily a fair uh, assessment, incompetent. Um, yeah, I, I think Tommy Kuhnhockel showed off some sweet moves in, uh, in some uh, stretches there last season. Um, Leo Komarov gets to the crease, can hack away. You know, sometimes he slashes people, sometimes it goes in. Why is there an inherent bias against flawed but more useful talent on this team? And I, I think uh, I answered that in just that it's not – when you make up a team, it's not just about individual talent. It's about how the individual players m- comprise the overall team. With Leo Komarov, you're certainly getting penalty, penalty kill you know, value – and I know it's tough for you guys to uh, visualize because you're not in the room, but Leo Komarov, I, there are intangibles. Um, he is very good in the room, and that does play a role in team chemistry, which does play a role in a team winning. And I, I know that's a very nebulous argument when you, you're you not a member of the team, and I, I'm not. You know, I just see I, – I scratch the surface seeing it, but – you know, um, Leo and Barry Trotz talked about it last season. He didn't get it when Lou signed Leo, and it took him about, you know, a month to get it, and now he gets it. So, uh, Brooke asks, do you think the power play will improve under Jim Hiller, and are the players equally excited as Belmont as we are? Um, simple yes and yes. Um and I believe uh, Ian Katerina, who's been very faithful on uh, Twitter, asked a Hosang question about why sending him down. I, I think I've gone over that. Um, he sends me some smiling, laughing emojis saying this question is just to be prepared for when he is actually sent down. Ian nailed it. So Anyway, that is the end of my Twitter scroll, and that is the end of episode one of Island Ice, and I really thank you guys for listening. Really looking forward to episode two and all subsequent episodes, and very much looking forward to the 2019-20 New York Islanders season and being able to uh, be a conduit between you and your favorite team. Thank you very much for listening. I am Andrew Gross. Of Newsday, find me on Twitter at Agros News, Newsday. Let me say it again at Agros Newsday, Robin Leonard. And thank you very much. Have a good day.